Welcome in once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined by senior analyst Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. 8A 2022 on tap for you, of course, in this edition of the Talking Tide podcast here on the Sunday Nighter. I want to thank our sponsors really quickly, Peter Brochacketeer of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, as always, and of course, our corporate sponsor, DraftKings. More on them a little bit later in the program. Talking Tide, of course, available to you at our web host at megaphone.com. You can also catch us Uh, On any podcasting app you prefer, including Apple Podcasts, we are on YouTube and Facebook Live and recorded as well. Video, audio, whatever you prefer, Talking Tide is coming at you. The Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide, follow us there for links to all our podcasts. Uh, As we move on, Travis, and discuss 8A 2022, a resounding victory for the White Squad 25-7, 25-7, of course, the white team featuring the first team defense, the second team offense. And Travis, it was uh, uh, largely a mismatch in this one. Yeah, I think if there had been a line for this game uh, beforehand, the white team would have had to have been the pretty pretty solid favorite anyway. Even with Bryce Young quarterbacking the Crimson team, that defense with Will Anderson and Henry Toa Toa, Jordan Battle, uh, a lot of guys that have been impactful and played a lot of football. And, you know, some of the deficiencies that you wondered about with this team going into Saturday scrimmage showed up once again. And uh, that being said, I don't like to go too overboard with just taking apart a spring game because really the bi- biggest success to come from Saturday's game, given the weather forecast and, um, you know, the the elements that were in play was that they got this thing in. Um, it was, I think, somewhat condensed in some ways, but um, that was the good news. Uh, they got it in, um, able to celebrate Wilbur Jackson and John Mitchell. That was very, very good. So, you know, it's always been more about the day than anything else. So all things considered, I think it was a success. Condensed for sure, a running clock for one thing, and for another, Travis, uh, uh, an abbreviated halftime for sure. The the halftime was over in a blink of an eye, really. I I figured I'd have a little bit of time in between halves to uh, write a little bit for the T News, catch up a little bit, grab a bite, and uh, no, they're right back (laughs) out on the field, ready to go in that third quarter. So uh, no doubt, uh, probably a little – Probably fewer total snaps, certainly, as a result. Uh, but uh, but you're right. Uh, you, you, it's difficult to judge things, no question about it, in a spring game when you're talking about a defense with as much experience and overall talent as Alabama's had against an offense that's clearly still trying to find its footing, particularly along the offensive line, but as well uh, with, the, with the receiving core. And, and if, if you go back, Travis, and you listen to Nick Saban's comments after the first closed scrimmage and after the second closed scrimmage, you saw a lot of what he's been talking about throughout spring practice in A-Day. In other words, too many drop passes. We saw a number of those, particularly uh, in the rain, and as well, big struggles in pass protection and and in general, uh, just a, just kind of a lack of cohesion offensively that eventually, uh, come this fall, when Alabama uh, starts 
playing teams with with different uniforms, it's going to have to start with with the pass pro, really. It is, and that's where you kind of had some things reaffirmed for you, as you said on Saturday in that particular area, and why Tyler Steen became a coveted transfer target uh, from Vanderbilt, and why the expectation for him from day one will be to step in it one of those tackle positions and even if that does play out you still have another tackle spot that's up for grabs and you know i think at the wide receiver position it was just a really tough grade uh tough evaluation on saturday and you're right there were some drops jojo earl had a couple um they had their struggles at times holding on to the football but man when you're getting when plays are getting wrecked you know but before we even get a step and a half, you know, into the pass rush or so that's tough to, to make everything else sort of play out. And Dick Saban pointed to that too, but, you know, I still wonder even with that taken into consideration, Chase, yeah, you like Jermaine Burton coming in. You like what you saw from a guy like Christian Leary. He gave you some of that explosiveness that you still wonder about with this offense and why Alabama may not be done in the transfer portal just yet. Um, you know, that that's where you're going to consider, uh, you know, what the options really are for this team moving into fall camp, understanding you should have Ja'Cory Brooks back. But, you know, Tyler Harrell from Louisville has become uh, a candidate now in the transfer portal at the wide receiver position. And the, the reason simple, he's he's got vertical speed. Can get down the field in a hurry. Uh, I believe he's he's been clocked in in the four twos in the forty yard dash. So yeah, Tyler Harrell out of Louisville uh, can definitely fly. Had a pretty fat uh, yards per catch average last season for the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, yeah, maybe not done. Of course, uh, there's a deadline coming up in a couple of weeks, Travis, to even be eligible for the fall. You got to get into the portal. I guess you don't have to pick your destination i don't think by may one but you got to be in that portal by may one isn't that right i think that's right um you know you've also had an sec window um in in regards to that but you know as a grad transfer that the rules are different so that's where tyler steen sort of falls in i believe and uh with the two years of eligibility that he'll come to alabama with so you know, I did think, though, in talking about, Chase, things that we anticipated and things that played out, well, certainly you anticipated the edge pass rushers being uh, dominant, and that was the case with Will Anderson, Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner combining for seven sacks. Um, but Jameer Gibbs showed you, right, that explosiveness, too, on that 75-yard touchdown run. And, you know, he has nine carries for 100 yards. I think that's a line we could see from Jameer Gibbs come the fall. You see some lines in spring games, and you go, yeah, that's impressive. But I don't think we're going to see that, you know, come the fall. I think Jameer Gibbs showed you that he's capable, and I think he'll have more than nine carries in a lot of games. But um, he can be very efficient, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say here with his touches. There's no doubt in my mind he'll be one. Let we'll assume for the moment that Nick Saban is going to go with a two-back rotation. That's been his mo. He's had a year or two where he's leaned more on just one guy, but it, generally it's a two-man rotation. Gibbs will be one of those two. Uh, the, the the question will be who will the other be? Uh, will it be Trey Sanders? Will it be uh, a Jace McClellan, perhaps. Uh, that remains to be seen. Paul Camp will answer that question. But Jameer Gibbs, uh, particularly with his explosiveness, his big play ability, 
his receiving ability. He's got to be on the field a good bit for Alabama in the fall. I would think so. And I thought, you know, a way that Bill O'Brien and the offensive staff members on Saturday tried to combat some of that pass rush was for a spring game. I thought we saw them dump it to the backs a pretty good bit, you know, throw it to him. And, you know, we didn't really see much of Gibbs in that capacity, but absolutely he's done it at Georgia tech. So I think that's another area of the game that he'll impact along with uh, kickoff returns, which we saw him back deep when they uh, worked on some of that Saturday as well. So just explosive play production in general with Williams moving on and uh, John Mechie moving on and, you know, Burton, to me, has always been more of a John Mechie comp than a Jamison Williams comp. Right. And if it plays out that way, it's great. But uh, you still need that 18 to 20 yards per catch guy, which Jamison Williams definitely was last season. And Tyler Harrell potentially could fill that role if he ends up coming to Alabama out of that yep. transfer portal. A lot of ifs there. Does he come? Does he not? Does he perform? Does he not? All, all that remains to be seen. Uh, but, yeah, maybe Alabama not quite done in that transfer portal. How about backup quarterbacks, Travis? Let's talk about those for a couple of minutes. Uh, Jalen Milrow uh, with some uh, impressive throws, some inaccurate throws as well. He was a little wild at times, but had a couple of fabulous throws and really flashed some impressive athleticism, I thought. Uh, he had a, a, a rush of 22. He had another of 18. And some of these runs, Travis, when you see a guy that size moving that fast down the field and all it takes is, is a hand on a jersey for the whistle to blow, I, I, there, were, there was a lot more yardage in him had that been a real game on the ground, I mean. Well, he lost a touchdown run that ended yeah. up being a field goal there in the first quarter. I mean, Monkel Goodwine, good for him. He had containment. He did his job. And he still was going to miss, but he was credited with a tackle because maybe he got a fingernail or two on Jalen Milrow on that zone keep. But that's a touchdown if we're playing regular football. So um, he showed you, I thought, improvement throwing the football. I think it's been gradual for him. Um, the deep ball to Christian Leary was a thing of beauty. Uh, he had the mistake on the interception where he got some pressure up into his face from a blitzing Deontay Lawson and and pass pro could have been better there, could have helped him out. But uh, you miss high over the middle. We know what's going to happen at this level. And But what I liked about him, too, was that that didn't seem to impact him negatively. He came right back and exuded confidence, which, you know, you would expect to see more so out of a second-year player than, say, an early enrollee in Ty Simpson. But I thought Simpson showed some good things as well himself. Second quarter, uh, he hit. Uh, Tyu Jones Bell on an outcut that was a high level SEC throw and uh, his pocket acumen and polish at this point and he looked like a son of a coach uh, in a lot of ways um, showed you some of that and I like both those guys because you you won't hear it as much with Ty Simpson but you know he can do enough with his legs to make a defense account for that aspect of his game as well. Yeah, Simpson, I thought, showed a lot of athleticism as well. That You know, the pocket was breaking down pretty quick on him as well. Really, all the quarterbacks, uh, not just Bryce Young, especially Bryce Young, but not only Bryce Young. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought Simpson looked good as well. He's got a strong arm. There's a lot of velocity on his ball. Jalen Milrow, what stood out to me is the quickness of that release, 
Travis. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the quickest release on the roster. I mean, it's just a wrist flick, and that ball is out of there, and it comes out with some with some RPMs. And and that, you know, that that's not – it's an asset, and it's an asset because it can be the difference between a strip sack and a touchdown pass when you're talking about the difference between the, the quickness with which Milrow can get it off versus – uh, somebody who might have a long windup, right? Yeah, yeah. It's you know that was something with Paul Tyson in his time at Alabama that you continually wondered about: Is this guy going to get to a point where the ball gets out quick enough? Uh, and I thought Paul did improve in that area, uh, and apparently he's uh, in competition at Arizona State now that he's moved on out to Tempe. But yeah, as far as these two guys, I thought it was very encouraging what we saw on Saturday and. Um, yeah, Milro too, you know, he's sort of taken on this perception of being more dual threat than pocket guy. So that's what you wanted to see from him. But he did show you again, you're right. When he did break the pocket, he didn't just get separation by a little bit. A lot of times he, he was leaving people at his size. That's very impressive. But I also liked that when he did move or, you know, escape the pocket. Uh, he was still looking to make some throws. You know, he wasn't just automatically transitioning into runner mode. He would still try to find an open receiver and, and get the ball to him. Certainly sounds as though Milrow for the moment is a clear number two. Uh, Nick Saban commenting that, you know, that as much uh, potential and, and uh, promise as they see in Ty Simpson still needs uh, practice reps as many as he can get. Of course, I believe he was an early enroller, so he's gotten as many as possible up to this point, certainly. But uh, as they go into the fall, I would imagine Milrow uh, will be your your number two quarterback at Alabama. The Talking Tide podcast right here on Megaphone.com. A lot to get into. We're going to talk Alabama's defense in A-Day. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our sponsors. We're going to start uh, letting you know about North River Dental Associates, 1100 Fairfax Park in Tuscaloosa, right off of Watermelon Road. Dr. Jack Smalley does such a great job with his professional staff of dental hygienists. They do it all over there. Cosmetic dentistry, porcelain veneers, pediatric dentistry for the kids, the teeth whitening services. You got to check those out. Also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments for those facial features. Again, it's North River Dental Associates. Dr. Jack Smalley, former Alabama football player, was in uh, uh, a Crimson Tide uniform under Paul W. Bear Bryant uh, back in his day, and now he is uh, scoring touchdowns with people's teeth over there at North River Dental. Uh, phone number 752-3506. You can also go online to make an appointment. That website is NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier coming off a big week there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. And I know Heather and Paula and Jimmy and the rest of that great staff would love to thank the customers of Peterbrook Chocolatier. Made it a great week in advance of Easter 2022. So thank you to everyone who made Peterbrook Chocolatier their destination, their chocolate destination of choice for their Easter goodies. And you're going to have Mother's Day coming up real soon here too. So going to have that in a couple of three weekends. Got to take care of mama. 
Got to take care of the kids this summer, too. Got the summer camps coming up. Summer chocolate camps at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Call them at 205-752-0211. They'll give you all the information. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. You can get in on first-round action with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. If they do, you win either way. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops. With same game parlays, you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. Plus, each day uh, of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same game parlay doesn't hit. That's the DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network, and they will get you taken care of. Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game. During the first round of the playoffs, get $150 in free bets instantly with promo code TPPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Travis, with the minutes we have remaining here in the podcast, figured we would turn to the Alabama defense on A-Day. We spent uh, the front end talking primarily about offense, not exclusively, but uh, a couple things that stood out to me defensively. I liked what I saw from Jamil Burroughs on the interior of the defensive line. Alabama could use somebody, whether it's Burroughs, whether it's Tim Smith, whoever. They need a step-up guy in the pass rush on the interior. They certainly got all the pass rush they need on the edges. Who's going to bring that push up the middle? Maybe it's Burroughs. I thought he looked good in that regard on Saturday. Yeah, he did. Uh, did a nice job of on one play. I guess splitting JC Latham and Cameron Latou and getting in there to make a sack. And he was disruptive. There's no doubt about it. Going into his third year in the program, that's where you would hope he would be. But you're right. They need some guys uh, in that area to go along with those edge defenders. I thought Burroughs also, you know, we got so caught up in the edge guys and the, the questions about offensive tackle. I think Burroughs maybe helped you appreciate. Uh, Emil Echior a little bit more and the fact that he wasn't in there at right guard and you'll right. have him back in, back in fall camp. I think that gave Alabama fans something else to be thankful for. But yeah, Burroughs looked good. Uh, there had been a lot of buzz about him throughout the spring in regards to taking another step and becoming more of a legitimate rotational guy. And, um, you know, he looks like he's, he's going to have that opportunity with maybe more of an emphasis on the dime rabbits. And, uh, but, yeah, I'd say when you consider interior options specifically, um, Burroughs looks like he's ready to be one of those. Ten sacks total for the first team defense, two each for Chris Braswell, Will Anderson, and the aforementioned Burroughs. Dallas Turner with three, Jalen Moody with one. So, uh, again, it's just a tag on the quarterback. It's non-contact, of course, and if you happen to watch uh, the replay – uh, on the digital stream here on Sunday. We're live. You kind of saw how difficult it was on the quarterbacks in general uh, with the, uh, you know, with that format. Nevertheless, lots of pressure for sure. Uh, Jordan Battle came up with an interception for the Crimson Tide. Uh, that I thought was, um, 
you know, that came right after Milrose interception, I believe. And they turned right around and got Bryce Young uh, on a throw down the middle. A nice play uh, by Jordan Battle. Lots of experience in that secondary, Travis, particularly in down the middle when you're talking about the safeties, the slot corners, nickel dime, branch, more. It, it's a um, it's a veteran group in the in the middle of the field back there. Really is, um, and there's a nice sense of security because of that. When you talk about the sub package guys, and then also the returning starters at safeties, but. You know, I think in, even in terms of depth, they're starting to build some nice things there. And, you know, at corner, uh, that competition is obviously going well because I thought Kyrie Jackson and Kool-Aid McKinstry did some good things. Uh, Eli Ricks working with the twos uh, looked good. Uh, Terry and Arnold really had the lone blemish for the corners in that he had the pass interference call on him while trying to defend a deep ball with Kenrick Locke. Uh, Kenrick Law, excuse me, I'm going way back with Kenrick Law. Um, Kenrick Law there. Um, you know, really the only thing the secondary gave up, of note anyway, um, down the field was the deep ball to, to Leary, which was a heck of a catch on a great ball against Malachi Moore. So uh, I'd say the secondary certainly benefited from the pass rush. There's no doubt about that. Um, but they answered the bell themselves. They did, and as you noted, some guys that I expect to see a lot of time on the field in the fall ended up playing for the twos on defense, Eli Ricks certainly being one of them. Uh, Deontay Lawson conceivably could be a starting inside linebacker next to Henry Toa Toa. That could uh, come into play come the fall as well. And Malachi Moore, who, of course, has got a, a lot of game experience for the Crimson Tide. He, he played on uh, that Crimson defense as well. And I thought they showed well as well. Uh, five sacks for that group. As I mentioned, they got some pressure of their own. Several pass breakups. Lawson had one. Uh, Jihad Campbell uh, had one as well. So uh, really, it's a it's a it's an exciting group on the defensive side of the ball. There's no doubt about it. And and the experience in the secondary and the and the pressure on the edges. That those are the two. That's what this this defense has going for them the most. Yeah, Jeremiah Alexander. I thought in the second half, the early enrollee did some nice things on the edge uh, in a pass rush scenarios. And as a five star, you kind of expect some of that. But you know they're in a good spot too, in that you can see the talent that they continue to accumulate. But with what they bring back on defense, they're not as much in a situation as they've been maybe in recent years where they've had to expedite that development of some guys, right? I mean, I think there's uh, Jihad Campbell. There's been years where they might be trying to rush him onto the field like Christian Harris and Shane Lee in 2019. They shouldn't be in that situation. If it comes about in a way that he's ready to help this fall, great. If not, special teams, depth provider, a reasonable development for a guy like him, Sean Murphy and uh, Alexander, some of these other guys. So, now, they're in a very good situation right now. I thought Jaheim Otis, too. We had heard about, you know, his weight loss that he has undergone since stepping on campus, the big man there, the the early enrollee at the nose tackle position. And just seeing a little bit of that guy on Saturday, the thing that struck me was, imagine what this guy's going to look like in a year's time. And you can say that for a lot of these early enrollees. But, man, 
it is a good looking bunch, another good looking bunch. And through the lens of a year from now, you, you really start to to be impressed by what what should be uh, for 2023. There's always going to be room, no matter how spread out the game gets, there's always going to be room for an Otis type guy on the roster for for short yardage, for goal line, yep. uh, et, et, et cetera. And those guys, even in the spread out game, uh, when those guys are strong enough uh, and explosive enough to overpower a single block and command two, it makes it makes a big difference, even when things are spread out. No doubt. And I, I said what I said, not to to discount the possibility of a number of those guys helping in 2022 it's just nice that it can come about organically it seems because of the depth they have uh especially in the front seven you know there's room on the edge still even with the three guys that we know are going to be the the primary options at outside linebacker you, you can still use a fourth or fifth guy because as we saw in 2021 injuries start happening you get down to that fourth fifth guy pretty quick so you know, Alexander, Demoy Kennedy flashed, I thought, on the edge a little bit. So that was good to see. And, you know, there's there's the possibility of, of getting some help really across the board. But uh, they return in a good spot on that side. There's no doubt about that. Before we close things out, Travis, really quickly, I guess we'll hit on special teams. Not to go unmentioned, half a dozen field goals in this one. A couple of them uh, chip shots from really short range. But good to see Will Riker, Jack Martin. Uh, connecting on three field goals as well uh, in the return game. Uh, we saw Kool-Aid McKinstry back on a punt return. Uh, I, I think Jameer Gibbs is going to factor in on kickoff return, maybe punt return as well. It could be an exciting group back there. Yeah, a lot of great options. Um, the kickers were outstanding. Four field goals of 40 yards or more. So you're right. There were some chip shots, but uh, I thought Martin and Reichard were not just good on their kicks. They were damn near perfect. So um, I think there's still questions as much as anything about James Burnett in the punting situation. And, you know, maybe again, they're going to be so good and productive offensively. It won't matter as much, but at some point it's going to. And uh, so his continued developmental will be important. And you're right. The return game, I, I got to think Gibbs is, barring something unforeseen is going to be the on guy mm. back there with the two guys that they put back. But in the punt return game, you saw Jermaine Burton, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Um, you know, they've got uh, Jojo Earl back. So uh, a lot of great options from which to choose at that spot. It's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist of the Tuscaloosa News. Be sure to join us uh, next week for the upcoming edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Look forward to talking to you then here on Talking Tide. <laughs>